I wonder have you ever longed for something? A strong, persistent yearning or desire to be with someone, to be somewhere, to see something, or maybe to be loved. Recently I was working away in Orange and often working night shifts, and although I miss my wife Catherine every day, some days and nights I longed to be with her, to know how she was going, to comfort her and be comforted. This week we see Paul's longing for the Thessalonian church, the sorts of things he longed for and why, and think about what we should be longing for in our own lives and why. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for Paul's love for the Thessalonians. We pray that you might speak to us through your word now. Give us open hearts and minds to receive it and allow it to change the way we live. Amen. Well, the first week of our series on 1 Thessalonians, we heard about how thankful Paul was for the Thessalonian church, continually remembering their work produced by faith, their labour prompted by love, and their endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Like the synthetic grass on Wayne Street, Everyone was talking about how their lives were changed, turning from idols to serve the living and true God. Last week, Ed explained how Paul's visit was not a failure, though the Thessalonians could be forgiven for thinking that maybe it was. Paul reminded them that he told them the gospel, the true gospel. He shared his life with them. And like Ed's mum cared for him when he was sick, Paul and the others were gentle with the Thessalonians, like a mother caring for her children. They loved them so much that they were delighted to share their lives with them because they had become so dear. And we learnt that despite suffering, they responded in the right way, not to Paul's message, but to the message of Jesus This week's passage takes us to a time after Paul's visit, after he was kicked out of Thessalonica, and he's wondering how they are going since he left them. I hope you've still got your Bibles open to the reading. We start this week by seeing the desperate longing of Paul to be with the Thessalonians once again. We see this first in chapter 2 and verse 17. But, brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Paul says he was torn away from them. You may have seen the movie Rabbit Proof Fence, portraying the story of the stolen generation. Paul being torn away from the Thessalonians reminded me of the scene in the movie where three girls are removed from their parents, literally torn out of their mother's arms, weeping uncontrollably. The mothers are distraught, but there is nothing that they can do. This is how Paul was torn away from them. There was nothing he could do about it. His life was in danger. But now he is desperate to see them again. He tries everything he can to get there. The only thing that could have prevented him from returning to see them was Satan himself, and he does. Verse 18, 
for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Paul is prevented, but he doesn't just forget about it. Paul's language gets stronger in chapter 3. So when we could stand it no longer, he says in verse 1, and again in verse 5, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer. Paul is very emotional at this point. He is really anxious about seeing them. It seems to be consuming all his thoughts and time. Paul is longing to see the Thessalonians, but why? Verse 5 starts with, for this reason. But what is that reason Paul wants to see them so badly? Point 2 on your outline and verse 19 of chapter 2. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Well, the reason Paul longed to return so much was that Paul longed for the Thessalonians to remain faithful to Christ, Jesus, until his return. On that day, he longs for the crown in which he will glory to be for the Thessalonian church because they hung in there until the end and stood firm. This is why he longed to see them so much, not because he physically wanted to be with them so much, but to ensure that he did everything he could possibly do to secure their salvation. We know that he was worried about how they might be going from the second half of verse 5. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Paul wanted to go back to Thessalonica himself because he was worried that after being with them for such a short time that they might have given up, gone back to their old ways, forgotten what he taught them about the gospel and its eternal significance. So Paul is still worried and concerned and afraid for the church, but as hard as he tries, he can't get back to see them. So in verse 2, he sends Timothy. We send Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So Timothy heads off and Paul faces a nervous wait until his return. I think it's important to note here that when Timothy returns is when Paul writes the letter we know as 1 Thessalonians. Up until chapter 3 and verse 6, he's thinking back to the past, back to the time he spent with them and the short time that he's now spent away from them. But in verse 6 and point 3, Timothy has returned. Verse 6, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Well, Timothy returns with a great report of how the Thessalonians are going. He brought good news about their faith and love and that they also long to see Paul again. Well, Paul couldn't have asked for a better result, I don't think. 
they are going well and have pleasant memories of him as well. If you're a parent of children at school or that have been at school, I wonder if you've ever waited for the school report to arrive in the mail or be delivered home by the eldest and expected the worst. Whether it was based on past reports or what you hear others saying, you just think that, well, this one isn't going to be so good. I'm not sure if my mum and dad ever expected bad reports, but over the years they got a few that possibly they weren't as pleased with as Paul was with Timothy's report. Disrupting others, being cheeky, causing mischief, or not applying oneself. I'm talking about my little brother's reports, of course. (laughs) I think Paul may have been worried that the report may not have been so positive. He goes on in verse 7, Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. Not only are the Thessalonians still strong in their faith, but in Paul's suffering it has brought him such great encouragement. He's been in and out of jail, beaten, persecuted, chased out of towns, rejected and scorned. And like the Thessalonians were facing persecution, Paul was as well. And knowing that they are staying strong only encouraged him to stay strong as well. And he was thankful for that. Look at how thankful he is in verse 9. He says, How can we thank God enough for you? in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you. Paul isn't just pleased or happy or just encouraged when he finds out how the Thessalonians are. He is overjoyed, describing it in verse 8, For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. I thought it was a bit like one of my great friends, who was diagnosed with cancer when he was 17. Burdened down, worried about whether the doctors would be able to clear it up. But after going through all the treatment and coming out with virtually a clean bill of health, he now looks at life differently, makes sure that he makes the most of it, and now really lives upon hearing the good news. Paul was worried, concerned, Afraid for how the Thessalonians were going, but it's all great news. Why does this news make Paul so happy? Well, remember, what Paul wants more than anything else is for the Thessalonians to be there on the day when Jesus returns. So what better news could he get than to find out that they are standing firm? So Paul can now rest easy in the knowledge that the Thessalonians are going to be okay, right? Well, no. Paul doesn't stop there. He isn't satisfied that they are going well, but still wants to see them and urge them on even more. We see Paul's response in verse 10. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again, and supply what is lacking in your faith. 
Paul doesn't stop praying for the Thessalonians when he hears that they are going well. No, he prays even harder, still longing to see them and supply what is lacking in their faith. That phrase may seem a bit strange in the context of the book until now. There have been such good reports and things said about the church all through the letter so far. So for Paul to want to visit, to supply what is lacking in their faith, sounds a bit odd. What could be so lacking that Paul needs to supply? Well, I think all it's getting at here is that he was there for such a short time initially and he just didn't finish all the teaching that he wanted to. There are things that he wants to expand on. Now, why does Paul want to teach them more? Well, it's what we saw in verse 18, to make sure that he does as much as he can to make sure that they are there on that day because that's what he longs for. He doesn't want to leave anything out. Well, he then concludes this section responding to Timothy's good report by asking the Lord to increase their love even more in verse 12 and in verse 13 to strengthen their hearts so that they will be blameless and holy in the presence of God when Jesus returns. Because that's what Paul longs for, isn't it? He longed to see them, but the reason he wanted to see them so much was because of his concern for them, his longing that they would remain faithful to Christ until he returns. Well, we aren't Paul and we aren't apostles. In fact, in this letter, we are more like the Thessalonian church than Paul. And the last two weeks, the lessons that we have learned have been from the Thessalonian church. But that doesn't mean that we can't learn from Paul's example. Because, like Paul, we are waiting for Christ. And like him, we do know Christians around us facing trials. And like him, we know people facing temptation. So, what do we do? What should our response be? Well, like Paul, as we wait for Jesus to return, we should long for other people to continue on following Jesus too. A few years ago now on the farm, we had a bloke helping us from Switzerland. While he was in Australia, he started reading the Bible for himself and, like the Thessalonians, turned his life around to serve the living and true God. That was incredibly exciting to see and be part of. But before too long, he had to return back to Switzerland as a new Christian. We kept in touch a little, but I know I was slack in praying for him, seeing how he was going, urging him to stay strong until the end. And I'm not 100% sure where he's up to now. If my relationship with him was based on a genuine concern for his eternal salvation, I would have done more. If we are genuine about our faith, we live in the light of Jesus' return and that needs to shape every relationship we have and everything we do. If we are slack, like I was, I think we need to ask the question of ourselves, are we really living for Jesus? Or does it just look like it sometimes? Real concern, like Paul's concern for the Thessalonians, 
is always followed by action. So what might some of those actions look like for us? What might some of our responses be? What is it that you long for for those around you? What do you long for for your husband or your wife? Do you long for them to be happy? To enjoy their work? To enjoy you or the kids more? Or do you long for them each day to be growing closer to Jesus and becoming more like him so that on the last day they might be found spotless and blameless? And if you have children, what are your longings for them? Do you long for them to grow up and be successful at what they do, earn a comfortable income with a nice family that will look after you in your old age? Or do you long for them to grow up knowing Jesus and that he is more important than anything so that on the last day they might be found pure in Christ? If you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, do you long for your relationship to be more exciting, more physical? Or do you long for them to have a better relationship with Jesus so that when you either break up or get married, on that last day they might be found to be serving Christ? What about in the privacy of your own home? What do you use your computer or phone for? Encouraging others or falling into temptation? I've got a few mates who are great at sending texts with words of encouragement or Bible verses. And it's obvious to me that they are living their lives in the light of Jesus' return and it shapes how they act. Through the congregations of DPC as a church, we support many missionaries. How many do you know and keep in touch with? Or read their newsletters to find out how they are going? and what best you can pray for them. There are countless ways to express our love for others and our desire and longing for them to be there on that day when Jesus returns, to show them that we are living in the light of that and it is shaping and changing our thoughts and actions. How about this week you think of a Christian friend that maybe you haven't seen for a while, and call them, or send them an email, or simply pray for them. Pray like Paul, that their love will increase, that God will strengthen their hearts, so that on that day, in the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones, they might be there, and they might be your crown, your joy in which you will glory like Paul, will be rejoicing for the Thessalonian church because they stood strong. What do you long for? Are your longings shaped by Jesus' return? I pray that on that day when Jesus returns, you will have people to rejoice in and with, that you won't look around and not be able to find anyone that you encouraged or toiled with or prayed for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is coming back. Help us to live our lives in the light of that. Help us, through your Spirit, to change the way we think and act 
and relate to those around us. In Jesus' name, Amen.